Uh, good morning. Are we awake? It's, er- it's early. It's early. We might do some affirmations together to help uh, uh, uplift the energy within ourselves because I want to begin this morning by uh, reading one of my favorite quotes from Ernest Holmes from his masterwork, This Thing Called You. Holmes says, you rob no person when you discover your own good. You limit no person when you express a greater degree of livingness. You harm no one by being happy. Mm. You steal from no one by being prosperous. You hinder no person's evolution when you consciously enter into the kingdom of your good and possess it today. And I want to invite you, if you're up for it, to do some affirming with me. We're going to turn this into an affirmation here. Um, I rob no person when I discover my own good. I limit no person when I express a greater degree of livingness. I harm no one by being happy. I harm no one by being happy. <laughs> I hinder no person's evolution. I'll cut it up. Okay. <laughs> when I consciously enter into the kingdom of my good and possess it today. Give yourselves a round of applause. Good job with that. A couple subtle but powerful uh, messages from that statement for me as well as this really essential teaching of the science of mind and spirit. The, it's unique to us that we are surrounded at all times by a greater good. We are surrounded by all times by an infinite good. That the whole of the spirit of love, of happiness, of wisdom, of generosity, of forgiveness, of prosperity is all around us, all all of it, the whole of it, right here, right now, surrounding you and I. And all we have to do is download it, is embody it, is to... Stop keeping ourselves out of its flow and invite ourselves in to that flow of infinite good. The other side of that, the universe cannot give you what you are unwilling to give yourself. And that's science of mind right there. There's this infinite good all around us, and we have to start to do the work to not only see ourselves in that good, but to overcome all the inhibitions the inward denials, the old patterns of thinking that would cause us to think that good is somewhere where we're not. Because it's right here and it's right now and it's this greater good that in honor of our health and well-being initiative I have the honor of speaking about for a couple weeks. Uh, And today's message is you deserve to be happy. Is that true? You deserve to be happy and if you're unhappy today, I invite you to ask yourself, do I deserve to be happy? happy. And if you're not happy today, why, why aren't you? Why perhaps might you be keeping yourself from that greater good that's surrounding you? And if you're one of those people that couldn't be happier, that things couldn't be better in a loving and perhaps slightly annoying to the rest of us kind of way, <laughs> ask yourself this, can I see for myself even more happiness? and even greater good, because that's part of the beauty of this teaching. You get to the highest and best. Things could not be better. Guess what? 
Yes, they can. And yes, you are. And when we embrace that spirit, we can co-create that divine life that gives us the best of life, even in challenging times and circumstances. I want to share with you today three illusions of unhappiness and three truths of real happiness. And the first illusion of unhappiness is that there's not enough good for me. There's not enough good for me. Eh, maybe yeah, for everybody else, but for me, no. And sometimes it's big, it's in big ways that we say no to our good, but for a lot of us, it's more subtle. Our acts of self rejection, that when good is in front of us, we can't help but conspire to say no to it in some ways. Am I the only one that's like that? Am I talking weird? Uh, For example, I'm going to do an impression of myself shopping at Target. So I've got my cart, mm, some bananas, some uh, these funny looking cookies over here, and I'm very good at getting things for other people. Oh, look at these pajamas. My daughter NJ will love those. My son Gavin, oh, he loves these corn snacks. Uh, Target in Colorado sells wine now. Miss April's had a hard day. You know, she'll like that. And somewhere in that experience, I'm, I'm rolling the cart around. I look around and I, and I see the shirts in the men's section. And I stare at those shirts. And perhaps one catches my eye and I look at it. And the shirt looks back at me, and I look back at the shirt, and the shirt looks back at me. And eventually, if we make a connection, I go over, and I look at the price tag, and I see how much it is. And I sit, and I stare at that shirt for about two minutes. And not always, but usually, I walk away. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, just get the damn shirt, man. Uh, he goes... And so, and and what am I thinking in in my head? Uh, You don't need that shirt. You've got plenty of shirts at home. You can't really afford that shirt. You're supposed to stay on a a budget. And what have I done? Self-rejection, right? In a a subtle but very specific way. And I would invite us to think about how often we fall into those little self-rejections. There's nothing wrong with being on a budget and being focused, but that's not what I was doing there. I can do it on the Amazon account too. Uh, you can find out how much you do this by how much you maybe click to put things in your cart and then how many of us click that save for later button, right? And it's good because you saw all that weird stuff like the lava lamp you almost ordered during the pandemic when you were bored, but you could also see where you're denying yourself that, that overall good. And we do this not just when it comes to shopping for ourselves. We can sometimes do it when we're seeking love and happiness and good from people around us. Uh, And and we we reject it because we get into story. We get into our own negative self-talk. And the first truth of real happiness is taking responsibility for your happiness. You are responsible for your own happiness. Can people inspire happiness in you? Absolutely, and I love that. Can challenges create an experience of unhappiness? Absolutely, but we can still claim and know that happiness within us if we're willing to open up to receive it, to give it to ourselves. I love something Sherry Huber, a Buddhist teacher, said. She said, describe the steps you would take, the gifts you would buy, the generosity you would bestow, the kindness you would offer, the enthusiasm you would have, the attention you would give, and anything else that appeals to you if you were to begin giving to yourself the things you want someone else to give you. 
What would change is if instead of looking to other people to give you something to make you happy, that you started giving yourself that yourself, the love, the compassion, the listening, the little present. And perhaps that might help us get back into that flow of happiness. When I say you deserve to be happy, I don't mean it just in a sense of worth, that you're worthy to be happy. I I mean it in terms of, of consciousness. Because in order to live in the flow of good, we have to always have this knowledge that we deserve to be happy, that we deserve to be prosperous, that we don't have to dim our lights just because other people around us are dimming their own, that we can shine and step into our good by knowing our value and our worth and to stop rejecting it by rejecting ourselves. Huber also says, if I see myself as worthy and lovable... And if I act in the world from that place, people will see and respond accordingly. Is that true? Unfortunately, the opposite is also true, right? If I'm operating from a place of unworthiness and unhappiness, how am I opening up for the universe to show up as happiness, as reminders of my worth? We have to move out of that place that we may have locked ourselves in far away that doesn't think there's enough good for us to step into that greater degree of livingness and abundance that's available to us today. A second illusion of unhappiness is that I don't deserve to be happy because of the mistakes I've made. I've been bad. I've done wrong. And I don't deserve this good. Love, I don't deserve God's love. Oh, especially don't deserve that. We can create a self-inflicted fortress of, of no and of shame that can keep us locked away and keep us out of that flow of greater good that's always available to us in our lives. I, I think many of us, we need to add an addendum to the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But for a lot of us, it's simply do unto yourself as you do unto others. So many of you, you're so caring, you're so giving, you're such a good listener, you're so kind, you're so supportive of other people around you, but when it comes to yourself, you find challenges there. To make a trifecta of Sherry Huber quotes, if someone else treated you the way you treated yourself, you might have gotten rid of yourself a long time ago, right? (laughs) And and so we we get into this place sometimes of self-rejection. For example, how many of you here would hold unforgiveness for yourself that you wouldn't hesitate to forgive someone else for, right? How many of you won't forgive yourself for something that you wouldn't hesitate if someone else brought up the same thing that they did to forgive them for, right? We can get into that. And there's nothing wrong with holding ourselves to a higher standard, but we get ourselves stuck. And we can even be in this place where the heart wants love. The heart wants good. The heart wants a greater level of and feeling of happiness and fulfillment in our lives. And yet because of our guilt, because of our unforgiveness, we hold ourselves in this fortress of no that keeps that good out. It keeps us out of the flow. It rejects it. I call it a spiritual gag reflex. I know that's not a pretty way to put it, but that's sometimes what what it is. We push it away. And sometimes when we hold on to these mistakes that we've made, the stupid thing we said, the time we were later than we wanted to be, the time where we um, were a little less compassionate and kind as we know we could have been. We hold that over our head and and it can uh, be creative. 
You know, that's the thing about a, a mistake or a secret. If you don't tell it, it gets told unconsciously in your life. If you don't admit your mistake, it continues to be made in all sorts of different ways. I, I was touched, saddened, and, and um, humbled by a story that I heard a few years ago from uh, Dr. Joseph Lisk. He's 94 years old, and he sat down his son, and he told his son a, a story from when he was eight years old. And when he was eight years old, he was playing in the playground at school, uh, and he, was, he accidentally knocked a kid's glasses off, and the glasses broke on the ground. And the kid said, you bring me $2 for those glasses tomorrow, or I'm going to tell your dad. So young Joseph didn't want to get in trouble. And he went home, and he knew there was a housekeeper in the house named Pearl, and he, he, he knew that she got paid $2 every time she was there, and that his mom would set it out on a counter. And so he took that $2 and didn't say anything. Uh, you know, to make the situation even, even more challenging, he was a young white boy and Pearl was black. And so it adds this, this aspect to the story because uh, the mother didn't believe Pearl when she asked for her money and, and she fired her on the spot. And it was a small town, so she continued to share with the neighbors and everyone else in the, in, in what, what she believed happened. And so here's this young boy in this immense guilt, right? And here he is holding on to this secret, this mistake, for 86 years. Probably thinking about it at some level every day. Now, was he wrong in what he did? Absolutely. Was it hurtful? Yes. Does it even add to the hurt and the pain that he participated, even if it was unintentionally, in the progression of racism in society? Yes. But is he worthy of forgiveness? Yes. Absolutely, in my opinion. There's something about when we take these mistakes that we've judged ourselves so painfully for, cemented ourselves in, in a way that can cause us to deny our good, not just for days, but sometimes for decades. Right? It, it's time to remove that. And that's why Joseph's story is so powerful to me, because of that willingness to know that it's never too late to come forward, to speak your truth. And if you're not uh, admitting them to somebody else, at least place them on the altar of God's grace and open yourself to that experience of, of self-forgiveness. Because self-forgiveness can allow us back into that flow that we've rejected ourselves from. Another subtle way that self-guilt can keep us from Happiness is when we find ourselves practicing the opposite of what we really want, right? Or treating someone we love that we want love from with the opposite of love. Uh, I'm uh, beginning a class on Tuesday. You're all invited. It's called Love Forward, uh, and it's a relationship class, but it's just as much about uh, our relationship with love with ourselves and with the power of love in our lives. And one of the things that, that I was noticing in the pandemic, I really got to focus on it, is that... Um, that I learned a very negative lesson about love. And that's one of the things we'll do in the classes. We'll look at who taught us about love. And I learned many positive lessons, um, the importance of listening, um, how even when things are a struggle in a relationship, it can pay off sometimes to stick with it, uh, the importance of, of, of honoring and being supportive of your partner. But I also learned somewhere along the way that when someone you love makes you mad, that the right response is to stop loving them to withhold love from them. And I noticed this in a lot of intimate relationships, especially with my wife. When she would make me angry, I would go into this habit of being cold 
of withdrawing, of putting up a wall in a punishing way and realizing with some consciousness that I was just punishing myself, right? And there's nothing wrong with having boundaries with a partner. If someone hurts you, there's nothing wrong with, with, with creating space. But I can be angry with someone and still love them. I can be upset with someone and still embrace them. I can be upset with someone, tell them why, and tell them what I love about them. And what I realized is when I was in those moments of coldness and standoffishness, what I was really wanting most was love. What I was most wanting, what I was wanting most was that experience of warmth and connection and deepening. And yet I was, I was blocking it by not letting it in, by not letting any of it out either. So there's big ways, right, that we can deny ourselves happiness, that we can tell ourselves we're unworthy. But I invite us to pay attention to these little subtle ways, these behaviors and practices that may cause us living in a place of no in our lives as opposed to a place of yes. Because we all want to be happy, right? We all want it. We all are it. And yet it's up to us to continue to be in that flow and to recognize the second truth of happiness is that happiness is never a state of affairs. Happiness is a right of consciousness. Happiness is never a state of affairs. It's a right of consciousness. Your sports team winning, not really happiness to me, right? Getting ready to go on a vacation, not really happiness to me. There's all of these things, you know, having that enchilada combo at your favorite restaurant. (laughs) Not real happiness. These are all things that can inspire happiness with us. I'm really glad when my team wins. But ultimately, happiness is my ability to really understand, accept, and be myself. It's that ability to recognize that greater good that's around me all the time and to realize that it's not outside of me, that, that I'm in it, that it's a part of who I am. And one of the mistakes we sometimes make with happiness is, is we see it as the state of affairs that's always fleeting. So we, we cling to it, right? We try to save it instead of just savoring it. And in that, it slips out of our fingers because we fall into the belief that, that our happiness can end, that it's not going to last. You know, there are so many proverbs in our society that we like to use, um, half of which I I tend to believe that we have no idea what they mean, right? A lot of them come from the industrial revolution. The early bird gets the worm. Time is money. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So all of these have some truth within them. Uh, And the one that I never understood, maybe you can help me out a little bit, is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know that one? What the heck is that supposed to mean? I've got my cake. It's right here. I have it. Now watch me eat it. I'm doing the thing with the cake and eating it. I never quite got it. And then I was reading an essay by uh, the great author Ursula Le Guin where she says, oh, I think there's a wording problem in that proverb. And she stated it in a way that instead of the word have, put the word keep. You can't keep your cake and eat it too. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, you can't keep your cake and eat it too. And for me, that's a wonderful proverb about happiness. Would you rather keep your cake, put it on a shelf somewhere, admire it, talk about how nice it might have tasted in the past, or do you want to eat the cake, right, and enjoy the cake, enjoy the present experience? You can't keep your cake and eat it. And in the same sense, happiness isn't a fixed 
experience. It's a flow of consciousness within yourself that you earn, that you cultivate, so that even when you're having a crummy day, you're still happy, right? Things aren't okay, but I'm okay. Even when you're not grateful for something going on, you can still say, I ain't grateful for this, but I'm still grateful for the whole of my life. That's a ride of consciousness that you earn through doing your inner work and remembering no matter what the appearance, there's an underlining grace, an underlining good, a greater good that you can continue to embrace, which leads me to the last illusion and truth about happiness. And this is perhaps the the most important part I want you to hear today. That perhaps the greatest illusion about happiness that we fall into is that what was is greater than what is. What was is greater than what is. Survey yourself. Are your best days behind you? Or are they here and in front of you? Right? Answer with yourself honestly. Which is it for you? I'm not here to judge you, but I am here to say that an essential truth to understanding this philosophy is embracing the truth that what is is always greater than what was. What is is always greater than what was. And I can even hear myself, what about the good old days? <laughs> right? Or more seriously, you know, what about the people I love who aren't here anymore, who I cherish my relationship with them so much? Or what about those accomplishments and shared experiences with loved ones that I had that, that are just so special and meaningful I could never imagine them being repeated in any, any way? You know, what about that time where maybe I was better looking to the eyes of the world or my body was functioning more the way that I wanted to function? You know, what, it, it, all of these are, are good, valid reasons. However, if you want to live in the flow of happiness... If you want to truly embrace the happiness that you're worthy of and that the Spirit has, exists in each of us to know and claim, you have to learn to work towards embracing this truth that what is is always greater than what was. It can't, doesn't mean that you don't take the past with you. It doesn't mean that there still isn't so much love and grace and wonder to mine from those past experiences. But when we can embrace what is and what is to come as even greater, we really take the living immortal spirit of those past experiences and we embody them in a way with pride, with humility, and with a greater love. So I've got a list of things coming up on the screen, a little bit of a workshop style this morning. And I just invite you to, to look at these and to ask yourself honestly where you are right now for each one of these, uh, which is greater, what is or what was. In your relationship, were your best days together behind you or are they right here and ahead of you? When it comes to your career or your way of service in the world, however that shows up, was what was greater or is what is now greater? When it comes to your health and well-being, what's greater? What is and what you're doing today or what was? In terms of self-care and how you love yourself, did you love yourself more in the past or do you love yourself more than ever right here and right now? And fun, perhaps the most important. You know, was life more of an adventure in the past or are you living the, the great adventure of your life right here and now today? And I'm not here to tell you you've got to turn all of the what is in, into, uh, all the what was into what is. Sorry for the math, especially on daylight savings time. Forgive me. <laughs> but what would it mean to start doing the work, 
to turn some of those around? What would it mean to look at your partner and to say, darling, um, I love you more now than ever before, and I believe that our best days are now and ahead of us and not past? Would that create a shift in your relationship? If you saw that the gift that you have to give in the world with your skills and talents is as great now as it ever was and can be, would that shift how you approached your daily life? If you could look at how you treated yourself and know that I am taking, I don't, I don't care what's going on with my body, I am taking care of myself better than I ever have today. And to commit to that, could that create a shift? And when it comes to the whole of our life, when we can begin to see that the present, the very present, is not worse than what was, but contains the best of what was and more. When we can step into that greater degree of livingness, we can begin to truly embrace, embody, and accept the highest truths of who we are and allow them to sprout and to blossom and to bloom into all the different areas of our lives. What is? There's nothing better. There's nothing more. And there's not a greater momentum than you can create in your life than allowing this moment to be the very best and to be that which carries you into your tomorrows and the days after that. As we move into prayer this morning, I just invite us to become aware of any of those what is that may be keeping us stuck. They may be keeping us from allowing a a greater love in, a greater happiness in. Whatever may be holding us back, if anything, from living fully in this present moment, may we seek to live in a greater degree with this right now moment, knowing that as we do, the byproduct of that is all the forgiveness, is all the healing. It's not the letting go, but the letting into the higher truth that exists for us in our lives. We allow it to pour through us. And I share these words from Ernest Holmes. From this prayerful consciousness, we all cultivate together. You belong to the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of this vast array of ceaseless motion, this original flow of life. You are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, and the air. There is something in you telling you this, like a voice echoing from some mountaintop of inward vision, like a light whose origin no one has seen, like an impulse welling up from an invisible source. So acknowledging this invisible source within us, this bottomless wellspring of a greater good, may we allow it to seep into our lives. May we allow it to blossom patiently like a flower from the ground. We don't have to take it in all at once, but we simply open up in our most intimate and important relationships to receive that greater good. We can look at ourselves boldly right in the eye, our physical being, who we've been, and allow a greater good to to enter to uplift us, to remind us that we are beautiful, that we are precious, that we are magnificent. And we can look at this wide world that we live in and look not just at the past, but look at the present and know the possibilities that are available to us as we collectively seek, allow in that greater good that brings clarity that brings freedom, that brings justice, that brings understanding, and that brings that depth of heart 
that allows us to feel one and resonant with this thing called life. May this thing called life do wonders in our life by allowing ourselves to be fully present to receive its many gifts. And so it is.